and welcome to Spawned, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner. We're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. Today, we are so happy to be talking to best-selling author and new podcaster, Lisa Damore, about kids and their emotional well-being as they get back to school these days. She wrote an amazing article in the New York Times recently about this very thing, and we knew we had to have her on right away. Yes. And we are really excited to chat with Lisa about ways to make sure our kids and your kids are doing okay this back-to-school season and beyond. And we will do just that right after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Panasonic HomeHawk Window. With more of us home now, more than ever, home security is becoming more important than ever. Panasonic HomeHawk Window takes security to the next level with the innovative, compact, premium quality security camera that can be mounted discreetly on virtually any interior window. It actually mounts thanks to a powerful suction cup, which means no drilling, no complicated installation, and you don't have to worry about it being tampered with because it's inside your home. It's got plenty of other smart features to help keep your home and your family safe, and it all backs up to local storage right on the device so you're not paying for cloud storage services. You can purchase the Panasonic HomeHawk window right from Amazon today. Just search for Panasonic HomeHawk window on Amazon. So if you've read our site or listened to Spawned before, which we hope some of you have, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you probably know we are huge fans of Dr. Lisa DeMora's work. She's recognized as a thought leader by the American Psychological Association for her work on stress and anxiety. She's the author of two New York Times bestselling books, Untangled, Guiding Teenage Girls Through the Seven Transitions into Adulthood and Under Pressure, Confronting the Epidemic of Stress and Anxiety in Girls, which Kristen even discussed in one of our live Facebook book club chats last Year. Yes, I did. I love that book. I love both of those books. And, you know, she also writes the monthly adolescence column for the New York Times, serves as a regular contributor to CBS News, is a senior advisor to the Schubert Center for Child Studies at Case Western Reserve University, and as of just a few weeks ago, now co-hosts the podcast Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting, along with national TV journalist Rena Ninen. So together, they're tackling questions about about common things that come up when we're raising our children and our teenagers, and especially now that the idea of normal really seems to be something new every day. So welcome, Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We are so glad to have you. I was just saying before this that I had to skim through all of our archives and go, didn't we interview her before? We haven't <laughs> interviewed her. I think we just talk about you so much. We were sure we've had you on, but we haven't. So we're really happy. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. And hey, congrats on the new podcast. Yes. Gig. The world can always thank use you. more brilliant thank parent you. podcasters. So that's so great. Well, thank you for what you do. And I'm just sort of glad to try to pitch in here. Absolutely. So listen, I loved this article so much for people who haven't seen it. It's called the 2020 Back to School List for Teens Emotional Wellbeing. It was from the August 25th issue of the New York Times. And Lisa, I shared it immediately everywhere. I shared yes. it in our Slack channel <laughs> with know. our whole team. That's how I found I put it. it on Twitter. <laughs> I posted it everywhere I could. Like it was so good because because Kristen and I keep saying we're not talking enough about kids and mental health these days when it comes to preparing them for back to school and making sure they get what they need. We're so focused on like hand washing and masks and social distancing. We forget that this is really important. We even made it as a point in uh, episode 211. We discussed how to determine whether your kids should go back to school. And here you are writing this brilliant article about it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I really wanted to try to make it straightforward in that same sort of way that the checklist we get from schools, like get the 
these pencils and get this eraser. I thought, okay, how can I, you know, come up with the list of the real basics that we want to make sure are covered so the kids are equipped for school this year? Absolutely. I mean, it's funny. You do talk about essential supplies, but they have nothing to do with backpacks and laptops. So let's just go through these together. I think it would be really helpful for our listeners. I know I'm really anxious to do this for myself. My kids have started. I've got two teenagers, almost three, and I know Liz has two as well. So we are in, and I used this reference before, we're we're in the same storm, not necessarily same boat, but we've got teenagers. So we're feeling this very hard right now. And the first one you talk about is safe ways for our teens and tweens or, you know, older kids to see their friends. Can you talk very specifically, I guess, in your professional opinion, if you will, because we've heard people say, you know, here and there, yeah, kids need to see their friends. But in your experience, you have such a breadth of experience talking about this. So why is it so important for them? They're teenagers. You know, for them, their social lives are oxygen. And they can do a while without, you know, a heavy dose of oxygen, but they definitely are going to need those supplies. And so many teenagers have been so good about pulling back and only going to social media. And yet we're seeing these reports that even with this big bump in digital technology use, teenagers are also reporting feeling more lonely Mm -hmm. as a result of the pandemic. They need to see their friends. They need to be with their friends. So much of the normal developmental trajectory of adolescence is to slowly loosen one's ties to one's parents and tighten the ties to people Mm -hmm. of the same age. It's part of how kids kind of midwife themselves out of family life into becoming independent young adults. And so it's not just, you know, to be social or just, you know, for the sake of it. It's crucial to this forward developmental movement of becoming an increasingly independent and self-sufficient in new ways person. They need they need their friends. And this is something parents struggle with during normal times, so-called normal times, the old normal, <laughs> because we see our kids tearing away from us and wanting to spend more time with other people or, you know, they want to get their ears pierced with their friends and not with us and we have to let that go. But in this case, parents are concerned about health and safety as well. And I liked the line you had in the article about inviting and taking seriously teenagers' suggestions about how they might visit with their peers while staying safe. Hopefully we've been having those conversations for the last five months or so with our kids, but we know things are a little different, especially as they go back to school and they've really been missing their friends. So how can we engage our teens to bring them in as part of the solution? So it's interesting. I mean, part of what inspired me to add that piece is I hear parents saying like, and then they can't see their friends. And I'm like, actually, they can. Like Mm -hmm, pediatricians mm -hmm. will tell you they can, and pediatricians will tell you they should, but there just need to be guardrails around there. So there are things that we can offer as parents. I have a big backyard, you know, here where I am. And so I have an adolescent daughter who has had friends over and her friends bring blankets and they sit, you know, 10 feet apart outdoors on their blankets and they find ways to connect. And it's really sweet. So that's worked. But some teenagers are like, no, I don't want to do that. That's not cool. And then you say, okay, what do you got? Like come up with options. Like this is our chance to be creative together. I am willing to negotiate with you until we come to something that feels good for you and feels safe to me. But to treat it as collaborative and and one of the things I get at in that article is that it's so easy for this to turn into a conflict between parent and teenager where the mm-hmm. teenager's like, you're not being nice about this. And the parent's like, <laughs> you don't sweet. get it. And instead, <laughs> it's so much better if we can say to our teenagers, look, it's you and me versus the virus. You know, that we're put in a horrible position by this virus, but I want to come up with solutions that give you what you want. So let's do that together, you know, as opposed to getting into that posture of just being at odds with each other. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. And I, it's funny, my daughter, 
this weekend saw some friends for the first time because we have not yet started school in New York City. And she showed me this picture she took with two friends of them up in a tree and they didn't have masks on. And we've been kind of the poster child family for masks. And I was like, where's the masks? And she's like, mom, we had masks on the entire time. We climbed up a tree. We were in three completely separate branches and we just took the masks off and put them in our back pockets for the photos and put them back on. And so I thought, Okay, that's fair. That's reasonable. You are in separate trees. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's interesting. So much of the discourse is around teenagers getting together in groups, which they are, you know, and, and not being good about regulating space and, you know, following the rules, which is true. There's also a lot of teenagers who are really thoughtful, really careful, mm-hmm. or in fact, overly anxious, you know, frightened to see kids, even under circumstances that we yeah. are now sort of sensing are safe. And so I'm always eager to bring balance to that conversation and not have it just be like, oh, teenagers, they're being so naughty and out of control. No, most of them, a lot of them want to get it right. We'll do what we ask. They live up to expectations. They also live down to expectations. But if we assume they're going to do right, they're much more likely to do what they're supposed to do. Mm. That's a wonderful thing to say, I think. And, you know, we've had like Dr. Ken Ginsburg on and we've talked extensively with him as well. I love the way, you know, in your writing, it's very clear your respect for teenagers, right? And who they are and who they are as people, because I I feel like we haven't seen that as much. I don't know. Like, I don't remember that as much when I was a teenager. But now I feel like parents are really kind of tuning in to like, teens are cool. And having that attitude as a parent makes them more apt to want to listen to you and work with you. I mean, you talk about making COVID sort of the shared enemy, right? So it's not I am the enemy. And you talk a lot about this when it comes to like drugs and alcohol and that sort of thing too. It's not me, the parent, is the enemy. There is the concern about your health, which is important, and there are other things that are the enemy. And that really spoke to me. I'm fortunate I haven't had the challenge with my kids and being safe, you know, my teenager in particular, but I know that there have been parents who have had issues. It's interesting. Teenagers are easily provoked. You know, I love them, and I very rarely will say anything negative about them. But if they feel disrespected, they're more likely to be disrespectful. And if they feel respected, if we say, look, you're smart. I know you don't want to get this. I know you don't want to give it to anyone in the family. Like, what are we going to do? They will rise to that. That's wonderful. I have seen that. And you're right. And in fact, when I saw the picture of my daughter in the tree, I thought, why did I come at her kind of like, slightly accusatory tone like she's been so good (laughs) and so I felt bad and I apologized and I said you're right you have earned that trust and like you're right so thanks for being in separate trees (laughs) (laughs) so the second thing that you talk about which I found really interesting is not just giving kids time with their friends but giving them time with other adults I really hadn't thought about that much I mean I know how much my kids loved being able to see their grandparents when we finally opened up that option and how much we all cried and how meaningful it was. But you talk about adults beyond that. So can you elaborate on that? Yeah. And and I think I wouldn't have this insight if I didn't spend two days a week consulting to a school in my community. So I'm a member of a school community here. And I know, especially in the upper school, high schoolers, how much fun the grownups have with the students, that we are mm-hmm. having constant conversations with them about their hobbies and their interests and what's bothering them, sometimes also about stuff at home that's bothering them. But that part of that loosening of ties that's happening from home, some of it is tightening ties to peers. A lot of it is also then tightening ties to other adults. And we all know, right? We all know kids, either we were those kids or we knew those kids who it was a coach 
who got them through high school. Or it was Mm. some advisor who had their eye out and took good care of that teenager. And I cannot overstate how important adults are to teenagers. And then especially as it becomes developmentally normal for teenagers to not want to tell their parents everything, or it feels babyish if they do, to have adults who are on their side, who care about that kid, who want the best for them, who can enjoy them, you know, really admire them and also push on them, you know, say like, okay, come on, Mm -hmm. you know, buddy, you're better than that. Teenagers need that. They thrive under those conditions. And we talk so much about school in terms of the transmission of educational information. I know that matters. Of course it matters. As a psychologist, that's honestly the least of what I'm concerned about. I'm really, (laughs) I really think like, oh man, they're not seeing their advisor, their coach, the hall monitor with whom they have a running joke. That that is all so, this is such a funny word to use, so nutritious for kids. Mm -hmm. That's the piece. We have to find a way to supplement. So they're not going to get it. But every teenager has family friends they really like. You know how your teenager's like, oh, so-and-so's are coming over, like, I'll stay, you know? (laughs) And so I think our job as parents is to try to fill in some of that missing space of just neutral, wonderful, supportive grownups who our kids like and like our kids, just to create some of that atmospheric nutrition. That's a really weird combination of ideas. No, I love that. And it's so fun for me. I don't have nieces and nephews. I feel like this is where the cool aunts and uncles come in. In, right. And you yes. have, but I love being like the cool mom to my friends' kids. Hint, hint, Liz. Oh, my kids <laughs> always say, Oh, Kristen's on the phone. You know, the best mom in the world. <laughs> I'm number two. Yeah, you're number two. I've, but, you know, my oldest wanted to go see my mom, who lives about an hour away. And we're not super close, but we've reconnected. And I was really surprised by that, to be completely honest with you. I was like, You do? My mom invited her over for the weekend and we had, you know, taken all these precautions. And she was like, Yeah, I want to go. Mm-hmm. And she had the best time. Mm-hmm. And, and then I thought about it and I was like, this is really good for her. She needs to not see me. <laughs> She's only been seeing <laughs> but me. But she needs a grown-up. But she, she needs an adult. She really does. She needs yeah. another grown-up. Absolutely. Well, and that idea, right, of either being the cool aunt, the cool, you know, cool uncle, or cool to your kids' friends. I mean, it's important. And grown-ups should really not squander these opportunities. When they see their kids' friends, they should be like, hey, Molly, what are you doing? What's going on these days? Like, how are you? What's happening? Like, they should not miss a chance mm-hmm. to let that teenager know that they are interested and curious and eager to talk to them. It's so valuable. I'm so warmed by that. Like, I feel my heart swelling because I just <laughs> think back to when I was a teenager and I didn't have, I mean, I didn't have a great home life. And at the time, you know, I was a churchgoer. And so, like, I can think back to, like, my youth group leaders. I can think back to my mom's friends who would check in on me and how meaningful that was for me mm-hmm. and how it was it felt safe to go and talk to them is that sort of what you mean by like barter mentoring with your friends can you talk a little bit more about that because I love that term barter mentoring well there I sort of think you know I I recently had a friend ask me to help her son out with something and she was like can we pay you and I was like no but my teenage daughter is really interested in what you do so somewhere down the line could I you know, connect the two of you. And just that idea of, you know, I'll take care of your kid, you take care of mine, you know, that we have skills and different interests that we can hook up with these kids. I think it's that. But what you just said also about kids who don't necessarily like being home, mm-hmm. that's the other thing when I worry 
about what's lost of kids not being physically at school or even if they're physically at school and not being able to connect in the same old ways because of the safety parameters. I would say to your listeners, if you know a kid, a teenager who's a friend of your teenager, maybe where stuff at home is not so great, then double down. Mm-hmm. Hey, does she want to come over? Or, you know, we were going to go on a bike ride, call her, see if she wants to join us. I mean, this is the all time it takes a village moment here. And especially for kids who don't have a situation at home that's so great. Yes. And I see that especially with a lot of only children. You know, if they don't have siblings, if they've been quarantined for months with just one or two parents and that's it, those kids really seem desperate to just get attention from other kids and adults. And so I I love the idea, like the way we had babysitter co-ops, maybe when our kids were little, to have mentoring co-ops now. Yeah, and it's fun. I love when it's like, I I can just have fun with these kids and I can talk to them and they're not going to roll their eyes at me or do all the (laughs) things that my kids do. Like. Kristen, we're going to set something up because I'm down for this with your kids. Awesome. All right. What's next? So there's another one that this is great. So number three. Yeah. You talk about, Lisa, about providing kids with reliable routines. And I'm I'm not surprised by that one because I I know my kids, again, they're not in school yet. They've started talking very consciously about how much they miss routine and how it it helps them with mental health to just have a reason to get up in the morning or something to look forward to that day. So for some schools, if we're doing distance learning, you may have have a normal kind of school day, but there's a lot of school districts that are saying, you know, you have one or two Mm. hours of online learning a day and then the rest you're kind of on your own. And so that takes away that routine for these kids. So if you've got a more flexible schedule like that, what can we do? Like family dinners at a set time, wake up calls, like what what are some of the things we can do to give our kids routines if it's not available to them through the school? Oh man, okay. I could talk about routines for hours, which is sort of a funny thing. I did not used to be so obsessed with them, but in the total chaos that has become daily life. And then in all of my worries about how well everybody's caring for themselves, Mm -hmm. this has sort of all kind of arrived at the question of routines. So especially for kids where they may not be locked into a routine by external demands, you know, maybe school's really loose or, you know, situation at home's kind of loose. What I would really do is I would think with that kid, okay, what needs to be happening each day, especially in the name of you thriving? So you need this much sleep, you need to be physically active, you need to be connecting with people you love and who love you back. I want you to be learning and growing. I want you to be helping around the house. Really make the list. And it's so, there's a corny quality, but it's actually useful to get that concrete. And then get out of schedule and schedule. When will you be sleeping? When will you be physically active? When do you get to see your friends? When do you have mindless leisure, right? That's important. And build a routine around stuff that normally we might not think we need to be so deliberate about putting into our plans. And there's two reasons to do it. One is we have to take good care of ourselves right now and our kids have to take good care of themselves right now. And if we let that stuff you know, kind of happen when it happens, it's probably not going to happen. And so really Mm -hmm. committing to getting enough sleep and being active and seeing people we love and having mindless leisure, you know, on top of all the things we have to do. The other, and this is for me just such an under-discussed aspect of why routines are good, it minimizes decision-making fatigue. There's a lot of bandwidth taking up if you're trying to figure out what to do. 
and when to do it and how to do it. That makes so much sense. It's really powerful. And so when you get a good routine, what you actually have, and it takes a while, you have to refine routines, but when you get a good one, what you actually have is a decision set that you are not making each day. It's like you push play on the day and you ride through your day and by the end of it, you got done what you wanted to get done. And it's freeing and energy enhancing to not wake up and think, okay, I think I might exercise at some point today, but I'm not sure when or how. Mm. That's a waste of intellectual energy. That makes so much sense. I mean, especially as an anxious person, I know it helps me to outline what's happening in my day, to see it, to know it's there. And I've noticed that my oldest, who's kind of doing like this hybrid homeschooling and also taking college classes at the local community college, is struggling a little bit because she went to a very rigorous private school. Mm-hmm. And is not in that setting. And now the classes are, some of them are asynchronous, some of them are synchronous. And she actually came to me yesterday and was like, can I add another class? And I looked at her Mm -hmm. like, huh? And she was like, I I need more structure. There's too much free time in my day, mom. And I was like, okay, if you want more to do, but it makes sense. Yeah. She's smart. She's amazing, (laughs) Kristen. Oh my gosh. But it was so funny. I'm like, you want, how about a psychology class? There you go, Lisa. (laughs) I was like, how about you take psych? And she was like, okay, I guess I'll take psych. But (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. And I have to be honest, like part of me, and I am a super scheduler of, I guess, between me and Liz, right, Liz, you would call me kind of like the super scheduler. Yeah, I have to say I have kind of like scheduling fatigue, which is kind of funny. I have the reverse and then I'm trying to get back to it. And part of me is just like, oh, do I have to make a schedule? But the thing is, once you do it, you give yourself a break, right? It's like once you get into that routine, whatever that is, then you're able to give yourself a little bit of time. And, and I have to admit my mindless activity has been watching Heart of Dixie. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> right. Well, it sounds, Kristen, like like adults need this stuff as much as kids do, perhaps. What, <laughs> what you said, I mean, I think that's where people get stuck is they're like, oh, a routine. It's a taskmaster. It makes me do things I don't want to do. No, no, no. Your routine's your best friend. It articulates your priorities. It protects your time. It makes sure you do what you mean to do. And then the other thing I think, I mean, I, I will stop talking about routines after this, but I just like it's my favorite subject right now. Oh, I like it. I like it. Part of what we've also <laughs> lost in all of this are things to look forward to, right? We don't have yes, our vacations. Yeah. And Thank so you. one of the things I'm trying to make happen in my family is that we follow quite rigid routines during the week mm-hmm. and work hard and really try to meet all the expectations and needs during the week. And then on the weekends, no routine. At least then every five days, there's sort of a fun, you know, kind of relaxing couple of days to look forward to. And that's probably a break for a lot of kids who are very overscheduled these days, like kids that have stuff every single weekend or have play rehearsals and soccer matches. And, you know, a lot of that stuff is not happening right now. Yes, there is an upside for sure. Okay, so... Not to take you off routines, because we, too, could talk about routines for a very long time. Okay, but I can let it go. Let's talk about the, the, num- the number four, which was warmth and support at home. This wasn't a surprise to me, but I think there are many parents who are trying to figure that out when they're stressed themselves. They want some more warmth and support, right? And so can you talk more about your line that school is stressful and that stress is cumulative? Because I think that that is a little bit of a difficult concept for us to grasp, but it's an important one. Yeah. So I've got two daughters, you know, one's in the fourth and one's in the 11th grade and we started school and it's online. They don't love it. But what I'm also trying to measure it against is like, well, how much did they love regular school? Like how much, you know, how much complaining did we do under normal conditions? And then what (laughs) increment above that are we? 
And what we have to remember is school all by itself is stressful. In January, your kid was complaining about school. In January, your kid was having meltdowns about school. And so normal school under normal conditions asks a lot of kids, which it should. Now we've had six months of a global pandemic. This is ridiculously stressful. This is chronic stress. It's really not good for people. And what we know is that stress is additive. So now we are taking what is already stressful, which is regular school, and now it's not even regular school, and we are layering it on top of kids who are worn down, over it, exhausted already, didn't get the rest they wanted this summer, didn't do the fun stuff they wanted this summer. So we need to be ready for this to be a very hard year. You know, as they bomb tests, as they have a misunderstanding with the teacher, it will be bigger and more painful and more difficult than those same events last school year. And like you going back to the very first point, they don't have mm-hmm. those friends mm-hmm. to lean on in the same way. They may be seeing some friends at school if you have the cohort system that we do. They may not be. They may be entirely online. But what we do know is that kids don't have that support system of friends that kids are leaning on so much. So you're right. We're probably going to see those stresses a lot more as well. Yeah. And also like probably in real time, you know, I mean, <laughs> that sometimes like a kid will have something rough happen at school, but then like three funny things happen. And by the time they get home, they're over it. Yeah. Okay. If you're doing your work in a room down the hall from where your kid's doing school, something goes wrong, you may get it in its fullness and in a totally unfiltered way. So we we really, as parents, have to do what we can to take really good care of ourselves because we are worn thin, we are tired, this has been hard, and we have to be, we want to be there for our kids in ways that make things better, not worse. Oh, I'm all emotional. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. I needed to hear that. Well, listen, I, I loved the article, obviously. We both did. And we love these four essentials. We should be packing our kids for back to school season. But we know parents will have a lot more questions about a lot more issues and essentials that will keep arising. So first of all, we're so happy you have a podcast now. Can you tell us what kinds of things are you going to be talking about? Is it this kind of stuff? And it's called Ask Lisa the Psychology of Parenting. I hope that's, is that accurate? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And yes, really ask me. Like we are taking parent questions to ask Lisa at drlisademore.com. And Rena Nina, my co-host and I, she's a journalist. We tackle them and we unpack them. And we are putting out one episode a week on Tuesday mornings. They're 25 minutes long. They don't take that long to digest. And our aim is to be really nimble and really responsive because this pandemic changes family life so much. And what my experience is things unfold so quickly. And so we have already covered how to deal with conflict at home, back to school questions, how to help kids deal with things like being active and eating when we can all watch each other eat all day long, which is his own complexity. (laughs) Um, The one that comes out shortly is about how hopeless and helpless we can feel sometimes and what we're supposed to do with that if we're supposed to be the parent who's making everything work. So we're just trying to take the issues as they come up and give people answers and really meet people where they are in this hard, hard time. Well, like everything you write, it sounds both honest and hopeful. And I love that. In a world world of parents and conquer your day. Like, you know, sometimes I just want to feel bad. I don't want to conquer anything. And I really appreciate that there's going to be another great podcast out there for parents with all of your expert advice. So it's called Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you listen to Spawn, in fact. Speaking of which, where else can we find you these days if our listeners want to get in touch with you besides your email? If they want more information, where are you on the socials? So I'm at L. Damore for Twitter, 
I met Lisa.Demore for Instagram. And I'm on Facebook. I think it's Lisa Demore PhD is where you can find me. And I have a website, which is just drlisademore.com, which is kind of a one-stop shop. You can find everything there. And if you search Cool Mom Picks, you'll see her name all over the place. Yes, that is true. And <laughs> we will link everything up, the amazing article that we referenced, plus anything else we talked about, over on our podcast page on coolmompicks.com. And we will be right back with our Cool Picks of the Week after this. So, Kristen, if we all have one thing in common right now during COVID, what would you say it is? We are binge-watching a lot of television. Yes! (laughs) And we are doing that because we are all home right now. More than ever. Yes, we are. Currently home, standing in my closet. (laughs) So I know a lot of people are talking about home security cameras. I'm seeing this on my feed more and more, which is interesting. Like, people are home, and so they're like, wait a minute, I want to know what's going on outside my front door. But you know what people are not talking about? What about the security of your actual camera? How's that for a crazy puzzle. That is a puzzle. And that's why it's so awesome we get to welcome our new sponsor, Panasonic Home Hawk Window. It's really cool. I don't know if you've spent yes. time looking at this. You know I geek out over like the tech details. Yes. It's really cool. It's a very premium quality security camera. It's small. It looks nice. But it can be mounted discreetly on your window on the inside. Ooh. And then the camera shoots outside. It affixes with a suction cup, which is so awesome. It sounds crazy, but it's like really simple and it makes you go, why did no one else think about this? I know because I have to say, I have thought about getting a security camera, but then also thought about everything that comes with getting a security camera. So this is brilliant. Yeah, like you have to install it and drill and wiring yeah. and like, I'm like, ah, too much for yes. me. I know, I know. I'm like one of those people. Anyway, it just plugs into a regular outlet. You don't have to worry about it being tampered with or even bad weather because it's inside your home. Plus, also, more smart features that I was geeking out about for real. I was looking at the Amazon page and I was like, (laughs) so it's got a 150 degree super wide angle view. So you're seeing a lot of stuff. It's got bright color night vision. So you can do monitoring at nighttime better than you would see with your own eyes. Well, better than my eyes these days. (laughs) And mine all days. So it's it's all good. Oh, and it's got person detection. So yeah, isn't that cool? That's really smart. Have you ever seen those stories about like people's security monitoring? are like taping um, raccoons or I don't know whatever's bothering your garbage these days in the suburbs I don't know I'm in still raccoons (laughs) or like cars every single car that goes by right okay this doesn't do that because it has person detection which is really smart and the app lets you monitor your home 24-7 from your own device wherever you are plus extra cool saving you money because all the security footage backs up to local storage right on the device itself that's a big deal yeah you don't have to pay for like tons of cloud storage or hassle with upping your data plans which we're all doing anyway these days because of you know all the zim calls going on yeah and what's great (laughs) is that not only is the setup easy it's easy to buy one of these you can purchase the panasonic home hawk window right from amazon.com just search for the panasonic home hawk window that's panasonic Home Hawk window right in the Panasonic store on Amazon. It's very cute. All right. Well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. Lisa, you're our guest. You get to go first. All right. So I finally, I'd been kind of admiring these for a long time. I finally splurged and bought myself some really nice pajamas because I'm all about comfort right now. And it's how very pandemic it's of very you. Pandemic. And they're just like, I, they're, wait, I'm embarrassed by how much they cost. They're from Garnet Hill and they have this like nice kimono design and Ooh. I love them. They make me happy and they feel comforting. I haven't bought new clothes in a long time because there's no reason, but I now have some nice new pajamas. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get more information. 
question from you about those so we can try to link them up. I bet other people would like to find them too. So kimono style pajamas on Garnet Hill? Yeah, just like just nice design. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you the link. Ooh, sounds good. I'm, I'm all for the cozy these days. <laughs> Kristen, how about you? What's your cool pick? So I was actually meeting my mom to do the teenager exchange and we ended up doing it in the mall parking lot and there happened to be a Nordstrom anniversary sale. Oh no, how terrible for you. I know. (laughs) I ended up splurging on some Trish McAvoy facial care and I have loved her mascara and it was one of those things where I I probably was looking very lost and the nice person at Trish McAvoy was like, hello, lost lady. May I give you some (laughs) expensive skincare products? And I was like, you may indeed. (laughs) And I have to say, I love them. There are many steps involved, which I have to say I'm kind of liking. I was never like a seven-step kind of facial care person. Routine, Kristen. You need routine. I know. That's what I was just going to say. So it is not cheap. I will (laughs) tell you this. But I feel like my skin looks great. And that makes me happy. These are the things that give me joy these days is that I have nice skin. Because honestly, I'm not wearing that much makeup because I'm not really going anywhere. And so, you know what? I have to say, I don't feel like I have just a face for podcasts anymore, Liz. I I might have a face for video now, too. (laughs) Oh, stop. You never did. You're crazy. Okay, so after you look fabulous with your great face care, I actually have a place for you to go. And Lisa, you can go there, too. It is the polls. My cool pick is powerthepolls.org. And what's going on is this year we're facing a record shortage of poll workers because of COVID for the election. And it's especially prominent in cities like Detroit, Philly, Kristen, and Milwaukee. And if you think about who works at your local polls, they're often older people, they're retirees who volunteer. I know where I'm in Brooklyn, it's all like the older neighbors Mm -hmm. and I love seeing them, but I'd like to give them a break. So you can do something for the seniors in your community and for the whole country by volunteering to be a poll worker. And by the way, you get paid. They pay you for this. This isn't just volunteering. You can also do it before election day if your state has early in-person voting. Like in New York, I think there's seven or eight days that you could potentially do this. And it's really easy to sign up and to learn how to train. So it's powerthepolls.org or check out their Instagram at powerthepolls. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen, and our amazing guest, Lisa Damore. And hey, if you've got a minute and can leave us a five-star review, we would so appreciate your time by doing that, leaving us a very nice review and also subscribing and downloading our episodes. It really does help other listeners like you find us so we can all help each other out with all the things going on in the world right now. In fact, if you have an idea for a future show or something you want to talk about or a question you have or just want to say hi, you can reach out. We're friendly. We like hearing from you. <laughs> you can reach out on Twitter at Cool Mom Picks, Facebook. You can join our Spawned podcast community on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram on Cool Mom Picks or just drop us an email old school like at spawned at coolmompicks.com. Yes, and don't forget, we have another podcast. It's called Out Tech Your Kids. It's 15 minutes or less, and we tackle lots of your tough and sometimes easy tech questions, a lot of which we find in our Facebook group of the same name, Out Tech Your Kids. So while you're subscribing to Lisa's podcast, Head over there and subscribe to OutTech Your Kids as well. We have a really good episode that just went up, by the way, speaking of back-to-school stuff, about all these tips for back-to-school tech that you wouldn't have thought of. It's it's so good. There's so much great stuff in there. So we hope you take a listen. And hey, thanks so much for listening today to Spawn. This is Liz. And this is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.